Well, we're going to get right into this morning um, our new series, Aligned. And it's been changed about three times. <laughs> we made a mistake the first week and it was realigned. And then I thought I was doing a sermon on alignment. <laughs> and then we said it with aligned. But all those words combined can all mean the same sort of thing, just a slight different take on it. So it's aligned. I have to remind myself of that, but that's all good. Amen. You know, uh, when Jesus was on this planet, he did many things and taught us many things. But he left us with one thing. In Matthew chapter 28, verse uh, 19, he, sa- he left us with this, this words here in this passage here. It says, Therefore, having gone, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all things, as many things as I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you all the days into the completion of the age. Amen. Here Jesus is saying, right from the start, when he left, this is what I want you to look at. You know, Jesus could have left us with many things, many thoughts, many instructions, but he left us with this. He says, therefore, go out and disciple all nations. There is something that we need to understand of that. There's something we need to practice and move into in the whole area of discipleship. And... um, our call is to do the same as what Jesus caused there. The problem today, uh, we have a church that lo- turns up, that loves the service. We have awesome worship. We have awesome get-togethers. We have awesome coffee. We even got our own C3 Church coffee, which is amazing. Thanks to uh, Sophie there working on that, the blends there to get perfection. <laughs> But I think we've lost somehow the art of what discipleship means. If we're going to make disciples, we actually have to be a disciple. If we're going to be aligned with God's will, then we have to walk in His ways, and He's called us to be disciples. See, the church is is not a club, all right? Like, we are here to be disciplined in the ways of God this morning. We're not here just for a club. You know, Jesus never called us to be a club. He called us to be a church, the body coming together. Jesus never called us to make lots of friends. He said that's a great thing to do, of course, have friends. But his specific thoughts was make disciples. He didn't say go out into all the world and just make lots of acquaintances and friends and meet people along the way. That's a good thing, but that's the starting place. But he said make disciples. And as I was praying about this, I really felt God saying, Make disciples. It's quite simple. That wasn't a real powerful word there, but it was a clear word, make disciples, that we need to understand what that means and what does that mean for us. If I was to ask you a question, I don't want you to answer this right now, but I'm going to ask you two questions. How many here are Christians? How many here are disciples? Who hesitated on that thought? Because they are the same. They are the same. If you are a Christian, you're a disciple. It says in Acts 11.26, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So the disciples were Christians following Christ. But there's a hesitation there sometimes, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, yep. Who's a disciple? Did anyone hesitate? I don't want you to put your hand up. Because they are synonymous. They are the same. You can't be one without the other. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a disciple of Christ. You can't do that. You can't say, I'm a disciple of Christ, but I'm not a Christian. 
They go together, they are the same, and it's important to understand that because we have a church that we're starting to see around the world starting to split and fracture in that sense that it's becoming a gathering together but not a discipleship program that Christ has called us to. A disciple is a learner or a pupil, you know, like of the Word. If we're not getting the Word, we're not practicing it, it's just no good to us. Of course, a Christian is a follower of Christ. And um, we need to align ourselves with the Word of God. And I'm so really excited about what the future holds for this church, particularly with our young ones. Uh, Over the last six weeks, uh, with Ashley and a couple others, uh, Sophie and Zach's been helping out, uh, we've been doing a, a discipleship um, internship, big words, <laughs> um, course with them. And in that, we've unpacked a lot of things. We showed them how to pray. We showed them how to... Look, I just had an amazing time with the interns on Thursday, the last session. We actually got them not only to pray, but we want them to listen to the Holy Spirit for words of knowledge and words and that. Of course, everybody was like freaking out a little bit feel very uncomfortable because the pastors are there and I said there's no pressure no pressure if you don't get anything that's fine but we took them through a little exercise and it was amazing they started to just step out and one particular girl like you I could sense on a couple of them that there's something that they're just too scared to let go they were just like holding I said so I started picking them I said you've got something right now I said God has just spoken to me. you've got something she said well Yes, I have. But <laughs> I said, well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. And it was a great word. And you know from what the person is speaking, it wasn't just something they made up on the spot to make them feel like, oh, I'm doing what Pastor Ian's asked. But rather you could hear in that God's voice. And we thought, wow, this is amazing. And they started to get excited. And then suddenly someone else joined in. Oh, I got this word. Oh, I've got this word. And I thought, wow, this is great. Awesome. And because as we were praying, Sharon and I also got some words. We started praying for people. But as we're praying, we go, hang on a sec. They're not saying anything because we're saying everything. So uh, when we were praying for everyone, the last person I got up was Zach. And Zach goes, oh, I'm just here to help out. I'm not sort of part of the team here. You know, like, I said, yeah, sir, we're going to use you as an experiment. And so we got the uh, students to pray over Zach. And I said, I'm not going to give you any words at all. But these guys are going to give you words, Zach. And sure enough, that's what happened. And it was quite an amazing time. So I was so happy. And I think, wow, what a great uh, future we have with these young ones that are coming up. They're passionate about the Word of God, starting to experience the presence of God in a whole new way and understanding. Because that's what it's really about. You know, it's not about a church of having... I was having a talk this week with another pastor in the state and... uh, uh, he said, look, God's really spoken to me. God is shaking the church right now. He said, it's not about sizes of church and who's looking, who's got all the fancy lights and all that. He said, it's about those believers in church. It's about them committed to church. It's about them committed to being a disciple of Christ. There's too many other distractions. The, the, the world's got too much into the church in certain areas. We've got to get it out and fill it with what Christ has called us to. Amen. 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 I'll give myself an amen. Amen. (laughs) So you will only align yourself with God by practicing these disciplines of God. You know, um, 
People at large are undisciplined, aren't we? We're all undisciplined, and we certainly know it because we try to be disciplined at this time of the year. The beginning of the year is like, right, that's it. I've been waiting for this time. I'm going to get disciplined. I'm going to get out on that bike, and I'm going to kill myself, and uh, I'm going to do all these exercises. I'm going to change my life, and, and, and sure enough, you know, we may do that for a week or two. Then we're sort of like, well, you know, it's a bit boring now. Uh, I find that in the gym, you know, like I hate this time of the year because there's all these people being given gifts for membership in the gym and there's those that are going to start off with their New Year's uh, resolution things and they're going to go to the gym and do all this stuff and it gets pretty packed and I go, oh, I'll just wait another month, they'll all be gone. (laughs) I'll have the gym back to myself again. (laughs) That's good because people are undisciplined. We are undisciplined in our time. We don't plan our day out. One of the things we taught the uh, young um, students that we were dealing with the other day was plan your day out. You know you can get so much more into the day if you actually plan it out. But what we kind of do when we have a, a day where we don't, we're not at work or something, just a day off, we have a tendency to sit there and waste a lot of time. I'll just check Facebook for a minute. Yep, a minute, an hour, or two hours, three hours. Whoa, oh, the day's almost gone. Oh, I was going to do something now. What was I going to do? Oh, yeah, I had some things planned. I was going to do that. And while you're sitting there thinking, oh, the day, day's gone, rather than getting up and go, okay, what do I want to achieve today? Write them all down. Write down things in your day. Be disciplined in those things. And uh, go, okay, I'm going to hit number one. I'm going to hit number two, hit number three. I learned that even as a sales rep years ago uh, was to have an order of attack for the day. And you'll be amazed how much more you'll get out of your day. How much you go, wow, that was a productive day. You know, I used to rock up. Um, people got different personalities. My wife worked at the bank and she would work, get there 15 minutes early, have a coffee, sit down, relax, think about it all. And then like when the time starts, not me, I'm already charged. I'm like, what well, is last minute? Like, I've got one more minute left in bed before I have to get out. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not going to be in time. I've got so much minutes in the shower. I've got so much to get dressed. I've got to get in that car, and I've got to be at work by this time. So I, I'd have all time down the last minute to maximize the effects of sleep and all these things. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'd be like this, no joke. I would, I would rock up my work. Like, I'm open the door, one minute to eight, and it's eight o'clock as I come in, I pick up the phone, and I'm talking to my customers straight away. <laughs> I was like that. They just go, 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 because I maximize my, my, my days. A lot of it goes on in my head, but uh, that's another story. But, <laughs> but we don't plan our day. We don't have a discipline in our day. We don't discipline with our eating. Sometimes we eat too much, or we don't eat enough, or we eat the wrong foods. And... I'm kind of very disciplined in some ways of um, eating. I, I don't eat junk food. I don't like those things. And I always stir the young ones up for uh, touching that stuff. And I tell them what's in it. <laughs> but they will learn one day. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, we've got to be disciplined in all areas of our life. And uh, eating is certainly one of them. Um, exercise. Like I said, some don't exercise at all. Some do too much. You can do too much exercise, believe it or not. You can actually do yourself harm. Uh, sleeping. Some people sleep too much. That's not in my house. It doesn't happen at all. We, I mean, I've got my middle daughter who gets up every morning at 5 o'clock, sometimes 4.30. And you know she's got it up because 
actually the whole street knows she's got up because <laughs> she slams doors and out the door, starting the car up, she's off to the gym, you know, like... <laughs> uh, and an hour later, I just start to snooze again, fall back in a deep sleep, and all of a sudden, <laughs> doors, keys, bang, bang, oh, she's home. Uh, so it's like, oh, yeah, unbelievable. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> So there are disciplines in our life that we need to apply, and the greatest discipline is the one that Jesus taught us, and um, is to follow Him. To be a follower of Him, you're going to be online with Him. You can't sort of, there's too many people playing games with their Christianity, like a little bit of Jesus here, a little bit, you know, of the world there, and they just make their day up out of a mishmash of things, not achieving anything really at all. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27 about this whole situation because it requires effort. You know, it does. It's not easy. I, 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 you know, I go to the gym, like say, in the mornings and uh, I tell myself, right, okay, you've got one minute and you're out of this bed, right? I don't care what you're saying. I have this conversation with myself. I don't care if you're tired. You're not go- you'll go into the gym if you like it or not. <laughs> and, uh, so, and I'll just jump out. I actually take command of my body in the sense I'm telling it what to do because it's trying to tell me what to do. Don't you tell me what to do. <laughs> People think I'm having this crazy moment having to fight myself. But Paul says it here. He said, but I buffet my body and lead it captive, lest proclaiming to others I, might, uh, I myself might be rejected. In other words, he's saying I beat my body into submission because the spirit is always willing, but the flesh is weak. Each one of us here has the idea of doing the right thing, but when it comes to doing the right thing, or sometimes to do the thing, of whatever that is, it's like, oh, I'll put it off till tomorrow. Oh, I can't be bothered today. It's too late. Tomorrow never comes, as they say. It doesn't. It just doesn't arrive. You know, that's why it says, choose whom this day you serve. Jesus didn't say, you know, wait till tomorrow to decide who you're going to serve. He says, choose this day. You've got to be captive. So Paul actually beat his body into submission telling your body you're going to do this you're going to do this i don't care what you want to do flesh i'm telling you right now by my spirit that this is what you're doing okay and when you get into that you the, the flesh dies down a bit the flesh is like there is a war between the flesh and the spirit for sure and we can see it playing out in our own bodies as paul often says in many scriptures but he says here i buff my body and lead it captive we actually have to take control we actually have to do things don't just happen by themselves we have to make it happen. So to be a disciple, to be aligned with God, you've actually got to be a doer of things. So I want to take you this morning to uh, Scripture. I'm just going to get the context, uh, firstly, in Matthew chapter 4, 17, but concentrating on Matthew 4, 19, and uh, I'll just read through as the whole thing says. This is Jesus demonstrating about the whole thing, about discipleship and those that came and followed him on the way. So Matthew 4, 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed them. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Father, as Jesus has spoken these words to us, 
I pray that God will be followers of him. We'll understand from the example that he gives us in the scripture and other examples throughout your word. Father, I pray today that we will stand up, that God, we would be changed by your voice, by your word, by your calling. God, that we would be, uh, we would be led by you. So Father, I pray this morning as we look at this word that you'll speak to us, encourage us, be with us, now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. See, the making of a disciple, as you see here, starts with an invitation. Here is Jesus. Jesus is walking along, and it says, um, he said he began to preach, and, he, and it says that he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, cast a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And that's what fishermen usually do, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Then he said to them, follow me. Now, you've got to think of the setting. Like, it doesn't say a lot about what they did know of Jesus or, or whatever was going on that scene, but there they were doing their daily work as fishermen, catching fish, and suddenly Jesus comes on the scene and says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And you know what they did? They didn't say, well, hang on, let me, come here, Jesus, tell us a bit about the plan. Yeah, what's going on here before I kind of commit to this? I want to know a bit about it. The scripture doesn't actually record that. The scripture actually says they immediately left their nets and followed him. These early disciples actually saw there was something standing before them that was greater than where they currently were. They saw something, power in, in Jesus and his words of following. And he, he used the analogy, of course, because they were fishermen, I'll make you fishers of men, as in making disciples of men. And uh, when we look at this passage... Jesus was asking them so much more. He didn't just say, just follow me, and that's it. It The key phrase here is follow me, but it says it was more than just, when he said follow me, it was was more than just watch me. It was more than just listen to me. It was more than just read about me. It was follow me. There is a big difference of reading and saying, I know Jesus. Yes, I read about him in, in that book, the Bible. I've heard his name used in many times, sometimes in the wrong places, but, um, or the wrong way, and it is more than that. He is saying, follow me, follow me. That's the key phrase I want you to remember this morning is follow me. And the response, when Jesus calls, there is a response from each one of us. If somebody invites you to something, you've got to come up with an answer. You don't just leave it hanging. Unfortunately, some people do for the last minute, see if there's any better options. But, um, <laughs> But these guys understood who was speaking to them, and Jesus is speaking to you today, and that calls for a response. Follow me. Follow me, Jesus said. Follow me. Immediately, it says they followed. No hesitation. No but, 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 but. Understanding that the invitation always comes at a cost. Whatever invitation you have will always cost you something. It could be your time. It could be inconvenient. You know, maybe some cousin's next-door neighbor's kid's first birthday, and you don't really want to go, but you've been invited. It's like, oh, I've got so many things to do, and I, I've got to do this, you know. Uh, so it'll always cost you something. It may cost you money to buy a present. It's another present I've just had to buy. You know, you just bought all these ones through Christmas and everything else, and now I've got another one, and it's only a one-year-old. They wouldn't know if I turned up or not. But, <laughs> you know, these sort of things. But there's always a cost that's involved. And uh, but the, so the invitation comes at a cost, but 
it's a cost that's worth taking. If something is worth living for, it's worth dying for. And in Luke 14, 28, Jesus says this, which is quite incredible words in itself. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intended to build a tower does not sit down first and count the costs, whether he has enough to finish it. So in this verse here, Jesus has shown us, and I want to emphasize when he says, um, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, it's not the word hate like we'd use, I hate you. It's not like that. It's saying to anyone that um, loves their wife, mother more than me. So hate there means to uh, love less in that sense. So if anyone comes to me and uh, loves me less than his father and mother, he's not fit. That's what it's basically saying. And as he says pointedly there, there is a cost of discipleship. It will cost you something, okay? So I don't want you to be under any misunderstanding that being a Christian disciple, being disciple, it's not going to cost you anything. It's going to cost you everything. You can see what's going on in the world right now. There's a heating up towards the Christian faith as a persecution going on around the world. There's, there's been, uh, every year, there's been thousands of people die just for the name of Jesus. And they haven't done anything wrong. It's just because they proclaim the name of Jesus. Right through our world. We don't see that in our headlines. We don't see that, but you'll find it from other sources because, uh, as we know, we've got the fake news that doesn't report things like that. And, but it will cost you something. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Wow, that's a big one, isn't it? To be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to deny yourself. Paul summed it up in, in the verse where he says, No longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. That means you give away yourself and put on the new self. And I'm telling you, the new self looks a lot better than the old self. That's for sure. It says, for if anyone desires to come after me. See, there has to be a desire. You know, God's not going to force you into something. If you're doing it for a religious reason, that's not good enough either. You could have that desire. Do you have the desire this morning to follow him? Do you have the desire to align with him in his words? Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loves us loses his life for my sake will find it. Wow. So it says here, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. So if you think you're going to plan your whole life out to the end and going, yeah, I've got it all worked out, I don't need Jesus. Well, it says here that you're going to lose your life. I tell you, riches will not save you. Uh, having a great job is not going to save you. Having a great house is not going to save you. Only Jesus saves you. You know, I, I found that on earlier on and... Um, Denying oneself means to absolutely deny yourself. It's like putting all your thoughts to the side and, and saying, God, what do you want? What do you want? I remember in 1991, I think it was, uh, I got to that place. I said, God, you know, what do you want for my life? I, at that stage, I was, in, um, I was a motor mechanic and I uh, had a few people ringing me up, wanted me to go into business with them, had these business opportunities and all this. I didn't feel that was right because I felt God had something greater for me. I didn't understand what that was, 
didn't have a clue, but I, I desired to follow him and deny myself. So I remember having particular phone calls with people and saying, no, not, not interested, thanks for the offer, but no, I'm not interested in going to partnership or whatever the case may be with these things. Because there was something greater looming that I knew that God had for me. Because as it says in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he knows the plans he has for you, okay? It's no secret. He knows the plans. You don't know the plans, but he knows the plans. And that's where the whole trust thing comes in. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. Don't, don't go like, hang on, I'm going to try to work this out for myself. Some of us try to do that, and we mess up the plan of God. We try to jump the gun and try to make things happen where that's not what God has intended. So I, I, in 1991, I took a bold step. I was working then, I think, as a sales rep. That's right, as a sales rep. And um, to just chuck my job in and go to full-time Bible college. Now, Sharon had asked me, like, she could see I was not happy where I was and what I was doing. And uh, she said, well, what would you want to do? What w-? And I remember my mouth just coming out go to Bible college. I didn't even know I wanted to go to Bible college. It was the weirdest experience. It was just like these words came out of my mouth. So, Did I just say that? Because I had done Bible college two years of night school back in the 80s. And uh, like, I went, what? You know? And she goes, well, let's, let's just do it then. I said, what? What do you mean just do it? You can't just do it. <laughs> there's, you know, that means I'll be out of work. You know, that means there's no income. There's a house to pay. There's kids, you know, schooling and all this. Because all right, life is God. It will happen, all right? It will happen. It will happen. I go, oh, yeah, that's right. Thanks for reminding me that. Yeah, that's good. And so I, I remember going on the Monday to work and just saying, well, guys, I'm giving you my notice. You got two, two weeks' notice. That's it. They came straight back at me and said, no, 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 you've got to give us four weeks. And I said, no, 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 I'll give you two weeks. <laughs> four, two. <laughs> and and uh, had this bit of argument. They were not happy. They were not happy chappies. goes, why? Where are you going? Are you got another job? I said, no, no, no. I've got more important things to do than that. And I said, I'm going to Bible college. And, of course, they weren't Christians. They thought it was quite hilarious and thought it was stupid of me. And, uh, but, anyway, they let me go. And I took that moment to deny my whole self in what I had planned to do, you know, in work and things and, you know, all those kind of things that we plan to go to college. And, you know, that was, like, one of the biggest steps of faith because our income would have dived dramatically. I was in a pretty good job as a sales rep company car and all that stuff and suddenly I was not going to have a car <laughs> in fact Sonia will remember the days with Sonia I used to borrow Sonia's car <laughs> I say so Sonia uh, we, we kind of had this little deal going she'd drop her son over and uh, and she worked in the shops and I'd walk over and borrow a car to get myself to Bible college and and uh, so it was like that so it was totally doing away with all the luxuries that I'd known, company car and all this stuff, just to get myself to college. But you know, uh, through those three years and, and uh, of all the stuff we had to get through financially, I don't know where the money came from, but, well, I do know where it comes from, uh, but it was just amazing because we were on so much less by the, if you pulled out the books, and no joke, if you costed up everything we had to pay for food and all this stuff and whatever, with the la- less of income, there was no way we could have achieved it. It was a miracle of God. I mean, in that time, you know, and you've, some of you have heard my story before, we were given a car. I was given a holiday over in Singapore on a missions trip and, and all this stuff. I don't know where all that came from and how that all happened other than as a miracle of God. 
So when you deny yourself, line yourself up with God, you get the benefits of God. God wants to reveal himself to you in a greater way. He wants to give you good things in that, but some of us are so like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's good, God, but I'm, I've got my own life over here, thank you, and I, I'm in control. And this is where I think it is. The whole thing of denying is like, I always say this, my saying is, get your hands off the steering wheel, let God drive. But some of us just find that's hard. You know, we go, yeah, sure, yeah, you can drive God, drive my life, and you're still holding him from the back seat, you know, one hand on the steering wheel. You've got to let go. If you want to see the glory of God move in your life, you've got to hand it over to Him. You know, I got to a place in my life where I said, God, you've proven yourself enough. I don't, I don't know how you do these things, but you do them, and I'm just going to trust you. I said, what's the worst that can happen? You know, um, in circ circumstances where we've been down to next to $0, $20 in the pocket between two of us, we just trusted God, and we just saw finances come in, all sorts of stuff. So I know God listens. God knows your every need. I have trust in Him because of that. And, uh, you know, people say, well, what if He didn't? I said, well, what's the worst that could happen? I could die and then I go to heaven. It's a bonus. So, <laughs> so when you start looking at heaven and the things of God as a bonus, the things that are always putting fear on you just don't, they don't count anymore. They don't, they don't worry me. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not fearful of things like that anymore. I'm not fearful because I know who God is. But when we follow Him, is a requirement for us to uh, purposely want to follow Him. It's like God is not going to twist your arm to follow Him, all right? God doesn't do that. Has anyone had their arm twisted? God says, right, you're my disciple now. You do as I say. He, he's not like that. God is never like that. He just says gentle words, strong words, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. See, we're good at following everybody else on social media, aren't we? You know social media, and uh, I'm, in some ways it's good that some of the things are happening on social media, like some of the people are being taken off and that, because I've got off all, most social media now. You won't find me on Instagram anymore, uh, WhatsApp. Uh, I'm not on Facebook anyway. All those things because of all the conditions. If you read the fine print, you know most of us do. We get an update come go, oh, update, just press it, yeah. We don't read the fine print. I read the fine print. <laughs> Not many people do because pages after pages. I'm, I'm very suspicious about what they're doing. But anyway, in all that, social media, they are, of course, wanting control of you. They want to know everything about you. They're getting into your phones. They're even telling you about it now. They're telling you they will get information off your phone if you consent by using their product and whatever. So I got off all that. But I think it's so much better now that I'm on another site, which only gives me information I want to know. I don't want to know what you had for breakfast, sorry. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to see your latest pair of whatever shoes that you bought. And uh, so I just find it's just clear, cleared up a whole lot of stuff that I don't have to get, get through, you know. So I'm more focused now on, on the stuff I want to read. But for us, it's so easy to like things. We like, 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 like. And sometimes we like that in church. We come to church and we go, yeah, good point, Pastor. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but you don't actually have a like button, but you do use the word amen. But I want to tell you this morning, if you're using the word amen, you need to understand what amen means. Amen is not a like button. In the proper Hebrew word, uh, understanding of comprehension of the word amen, it doesn't mean like, like, good point, like, amen. It's like, I've just heard what you said, pastor, and that is now what I'm going to line myself with. What you just said there, that piece of the Word of God, I, 
it's more than like, it's like, wow, that's been a transformational moment to me, and now I'm going to change my life, and I'm going to line up with that. When I say amen, I'm going to say, I'm going to align with your word, God. I'm going to do what you've called me to. I'm, that's what it is. It's an alignment. It's a word saying, amen, I hear what you're saying, now I'm going to do likewise. It's not just a like, because it's so easy. When you press the button on Facebook, what I like, 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 it doesn't commit you to do anything. You don't have to do anything more. Just press a button. You know, you haven't... But when you say amen, which is the Christian like, <laughs> uh, it, it's a commitment word. Like, I am now going to be committed to this thing. So being a disciple means you are a follower and imitator of the teacher. And how do we do this if we don't read our Bible? This is why it's so important. We, we've been teaching our students, you've got to read the Word of God and get into it. Like, start somewhere. If, you, if you're not very good at reading, you know, there's audios, there's visuals, there's all sorts of stuff these days. There's no excuse for not reading your Bible. But you've got to have a desire for it. Now, if I told you, if you um, read the book of Proverbs over 30 days, that you'd be richer and wiser for it, you might be tempted to go, okay. If I told you that there's people that have written that, uh, read that whole passage, like one particular case, he read it for four years over and over and over again, pulled apart, applied the principles, and today is a millionaire because of it. You go, wow, I've got to read it. <laughs> you see, because you have not understood the treasure that is written in his word. You've not understood the treasure that lies within if you'd only spend time reading his word. If people were to look at you right now, what would they think? Do you look like Jesus to the world? I'm not talking about have long hair, sandals, and whatever. But do you look like Jesus? Do you promote that? Does it come off of you? Does, is there something that you carry that people recognize? Because that is a true sign in itself. Yeah, I know many people here tell me testimonies all week long that happened to them. Oh, in the shops, I bumped into someone. They just came up to me. They said this. They asked me, you know, start unloading their story on me. We get this all the time. And because they can sense something on you and they need an answer. And they know, they can sense really there's Jesus in you. They know, that they know the answer comes from Jesus, even though they know, not mentally know about it. But they understand from their spirit there is an answer residing in you because Jesus is in you. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, as you live that life as a disciple, line your world to God people will start to sense that wherever you are. They, they come to you. You know, I was sharing the story with one of the guys the other day. You know, it, people just know. They may, in the, when I was in the workplace, people knew I was a Christian, and I, I wasn't like, I didn't go wearing a T-shirt saying, hey, I'm a Christian, you know. But they knew by my works and how I spoke and how I did things, by my fruits, that I was a Christian. And yet they would stir me up, they'd have a go at me, they'd say things, you know, jokingly, and I could handle it. I never sort of um, kind of worried about it because you've got to remember these people are lost. The Bible describes those non-believers as lost, so they don't know the truth. So I go, okay, yeah, it's fine, i have a bit of fun with them. But whenever they had an issue in their life, they, something dire had happened in their world, something that they needed an answer for, they could not find the answer, they came to me. And they just called me and said, look, I um, just want to ask you a question. And I go, oh, what now? You're going to stir me up again? No, 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 no. I just, just want to ask you, what shall I do in this case? They wanted to hear from you because there was something, and I know what that something is, that's the Jesus in us that was telling them that I could give them some words of wisdom. And um, not from my own wisdom, because if you saw what's up in here, you go, well, <laughs> it comes from God. And... Um, 
And, uh, and I know that. I know when I engage and suddenly God is speaking through me because I'm listening to it as if I'm also being a hearer of it as well. Go, hang on, what are you saying here? And, uh, but that's what it means to be a disciple. When you're a disciple in the things of Christ, the things of Christ come out of you. You live a whole different life. It's not just about joining a club. I'm in the Jesus club, yay. It's not about that. It's like I, I'm in the lifestyle club of Jesus. That's my, it's my life. It's not a club. It's my life. It's how I do things now. It's the way I live and what God has called me to. A disciple is not just an academic student either. A student gets information from his teacher. A disciple gets transformation from his teacher. Complete difference. Luke 6.40 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So this morning, I want you to understand that God is trying to get you on a course of discipleship. It doesn't, it's not a six-week course. Like I mentioned, there's a six-week course for these guys. But that's just a starting point. The discipleship course you're on is lifetime. It doesn't end just like, oh, I did a six-week course. I'm a disciple. It's, it's not about that. It's like living your life each day, wanting to know more, digging deeper. The more I've learned about Christ through his word, the more I realize I don't know. I used to think as a new, new Christian, I knew kind of pretty much got a handle on this. I know there's Jesus. I read it. It's all the red letters. That's Jesus. I, I know who he is now, and you know I can go tell others and all this. But there was so much more I didn't understand. So there I am in my innocence of being a new Christian thinking, yeah, I know everything now. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I know everything about Jesus. Come see me. I'll tell you. Um, to like, man, the deeper I get, there's so much more to God. The deeper I get... I realize that, hey, this is a journey of life, a continual life journey. You never, ever, ever get there until heaven. Hebrews 12, 11 says this in conclusion. And all discipline for the present indeed does not seem to be joyous, but grievous. But afterwards it gives back peaceful fruit of righteousness to the ones having been exercised by it read that again and all discipline for the present indeed does not seem to be joyous in other words the disciplines that we are called to as christians may not always seem joyous may seem grievous like this is so hard you know but afterwards it gives back peaceful fruit of righteousness to the ones having been exercised by it wow that's amazing that's a great payoff give your life to jesus be a true disciple and that payoff is big. So this morning, I just want you in, in closing, I just want you to think that through. But I also want to give an opportunity this morning for those that may not start that journey as a Christian, as a disciple, being the same. I just want you to close your eyes in this place and bow your head. And I want to ask this important question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you say yes to that, that's great. That's great. But are you living your life for Him? Are you following Him daily or just when you have the spare time? Do you know Jesus full stop this morning? If you don't, I want to give you an opportunity in this place right now to receive the Savior, Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, it is one prayer away. It's just asking Him 
into your life, asking Him to forgive you of your sins, acknowledge that He rose from the dead, <coughs> from the dead and rose again. And I want to give you that opportunity that you'd have a personal relationship with Him this morning. So if that's you in this place, with every head bowed, eye closed, just raise your hand and you can put it down again. I'll see that hand and I'll pray for you and pray with you. This is the most important decision. We say this every week. So even if you're working through it now, you can still come and see us anytime. And the reason we do it every week is because we believe Jesus' call of making disciples. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to take this morning to believe that everyone here is a Christian. And as I flipped that earlier on saying, are you a Christian? Are you a disciple? If that kind of, for a moment, made you kind of wonder, then perhaps you kind of drifted a little bit away from him and you need to be back on track. And that's okay. Look, we, we, there's no condemnation in that, okay? There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But the important thing is Jesus so wants you to be on track with him this morning. Jesus so wants you to be alive in him. So if you want prayer this morning, perhaps you are one of those that kind of hesitate and go, well, yeah, probably haven't really been following. I kind of know Jesus. I read about him. It's all good. I like him. But I've never, I'm not really kind of, and I may have even received him, but I'm not actually walking with him. I just want to pray this morning for you, if that's you. and If you're brave enough, you can raise your hand so I know I'm actually praying for someone uh, because I just really sense that. And um, I'm going to pray for a boldness, a whole new life in you this morning. That God will come and touch you where you are. That God will empower you by His Spirit to see and to follow Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, this morning as I close, Father, I just pray for everybody here this morning. I pray, oh God, that the power of God will hit them. I pray the fire of God will touch them. God, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, they'll rise up in these days. They'll open their mouths in their workplace, in their schools, wherever you've called them to be, that they will be a witness to who you are. God, they will not be timid. They are not those that shrink back, but they are those that arise on the voice of the call of Jesus Christ in their life. Father, I pray right now your power, your anointing will touch each one. I pray, oh God, they will stand up and say, I am a disciple of Christ. I am a disciple of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel for as a power of God. And I will declare that name above all names. I pray for everyone here right now, God, that you'll put that fire within the hearts of them. I pray this morning, God, you'll touch them. That, God, they will understand what it means to be a disciple. That they will start being enthused, empowered by your word as they seek out you. For your words to them is, follow me. Come follow me. Jesus, that is our prayer today. That we would follow you all the days of our lives, in all areas of our life, in all things of life. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the praise and the glory. May your name be exalted forevermore. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen.